The first reading is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 7. And this is on page 1180 in the Church Bibles. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we're at the second reading is from Matthew chapter 13. If you want to turn to it, it's on page 980. And it's the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Would you have that uh, Matthew passage in front of you? It's on page 980. Well, I'm going to make a confession this morning. I don't want you to be too shocked, but I love the Antiques Roadshow. There we are. I've said it. I've admitted it. My wife is in despair, but there it is. It's a weakness. I am fascinated by the stories that many antiques can tell. I remember, for example, hearing about missionary work amongst the Eskimos, the Inuit, in the last century from some beautiful beaded clothes and gloves. And then there are, of course, the surprises. The large porcelain pot used as a hall umbrella stand. And the sons of the owner used to play football in the hall and could easily have smashed the pot which was then discovered to be extremely rare and to be worth thousands of pounds. But it was just something they took for granted, not realizing its true value. Our two parables in our sermon series from Matthew's Gospel, The Treasure and the Pearl, tell of the great value of the huge value of the Gospel, the good news about Jesus. And he tells two very accessible stories to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like. Or as one commentator says, this phrase could mean this is what it's like when God is at work. And of course, the story of buried treasure was a perfect possibility in Jesus' time. Valuables were buried in the ground for safekeeping in troubled times. I seem to remember uh, that Samuel Pepys buried his silver plate in his garden because of the Great Fire of London in 1666. The treasure is discovered by accident by a man probably just going about his ordinary work. Michael Green puts it well when he says the man was plowing the familiar furrow of life 
when suddenly, against all expectation, he finds treasure. Don't you like that phrase? Plowing the familiar furrow of life. Suddenly, against all expectation, he finds treasure. Apparently, it wasn't dishonest to bury it again and liquidate all his assets to buy the field. Under Jewish law, it was finders keepers. Then in this pair of stories, we're taken from the open field to a merchant's office. The merchant is used to dealing with valuable items, including pearls. And pearls in the ancient world were especially valued, rather as we value gold today. That may have been because they could only be obtained in two places, the Red Sea and the remote, inaccessible island of Britain. But his trained eye was always on the lookout for fine pearls, and then one day it happened. There it was, the finest pearl, a pearl of great value. And he also sold everything in order to buy it. Well, what can we take away with us this morning from these two parables? Uh, you come to St. Michael's for a takeaway. What is the takeaway this morning? The first one, I think, is that the encounter with the living God can happen to different people in different ways. The working man was not expecting to find anything. He wasn't looking for anything. He simply stumbled across the treasure. However, he immediately recognized it was of huge value. God can meet us where we are at a time of his choosing. It would be sad, wouldn't it, if it was only possible to meet God in churches or special services. No, he can meet us anywhere. Brother Lawrence worked for many years in a monastery kitchen. He wrote this, I felt Jesus Christ as close to me in the kitchen as ever I did at the Blessed Sacrament. Metal detectorists today visit likely historical sites and discover wonderful treasure and coins hidden in the ground in pots. They intentionally look and search, but our working man had no idea that on a certain day his life would be changed. The merchant was looking for fine pearls. He was alert. He was using his professional skill, and he found it. The outcome was the same. Both realized that what was in front of them was immensely valuable. Now, many of us here could tell different stories about how we came to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For some, it may have been after a search over some time. That was so for me. I was spiritually restless and wanted to find out whether Christianity really had anything to offer in my life. And it was only when I understood that Jesus' death on the cross had won my forgiveness and freedom that I appreciated the immense value of what Jesus had achieved for me. For others, it may be a moment of illumination when the penny, so to speak, drops a school friend quite content in his life, not searching for anything. He was intrigued when he heard I'd gone religious. He decided just to find out what had happened. But in due course, although he hadn't been looking, he too came to believe and trust in Jesus for himself. 
I think that the stories tell us that it really doesn't matter how we find the treasure. That's an unimportant detail. The important question, having found the treasure, and this is my second point, is our response. What is our response to the treasure? The finders in both stories recognize its value. And in the case of the treasure finder, we're also told, have a look at verse 44, in his joy he went. You know, none of this sort of, uh, he was thrilled. Well, of course you are. He was excited. You see, the news about Jesus is very good news indeed. It's called the gospel, which means good news. We have good news. This is a building for good news. And my goodness, don't we need it? It's such good news, there will be excitement and joy when you hear it for the very first time. That's a natural response. And their response was the same. Everything had to be sold and sacrificed to gain the treasure or the pearl. You see, both stories stress the incalculable value of the kingdom. In a sense, it is priceless. You give everything for it. There's nothing like it. What is that kingdom? It is where God reigns and his will is perfectly carried out. That is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so to seek to do God's will here on earth is the very best thing. Becoming a citizen of heaven, having dual citizenship is a most precious thing as we personally believe and trust in Jesus. But there is a cost. For if we accept God's rule and will in our lives, that may mean giving up other things, certain ambitions, certain ways of life. They become less important. If we take up our cross and follow Jesus, that will require self-denial. It will require discipline. However, what we give up is nothing in comparison with what we gain. Yes, there were other pearls. The merchant, no doubt, had seen many. They'd passed through his hands. But this one was priceless. He saw perfection. So whilst cost and sacrifice were involved in both stories... The finders do everything they can can to obtain something of supreme value. And through the centuries, many have had to make similar calculations and have reached the same conclusions. Justin, in the second century, was a brilliant academic. And in his spiritual search, he tried a number of the philosophical schools of his day but he remained unsatisfied. And then he came across an old man in the fields who told him about Jesus. He immediately started reading the scriptures. He was convinced and became a joyful Christian. For he too, after a long search, had found the pearl of great value. And he was not prepared to give it up. And his Christian faith, tragically like so many today, led him to his martyrdom. 
There is a price to be paid if we seek to do God's will, for he does not call us to a program of self-fulfillment or personality development. Rather, he calls us to recognize God's rightful authority in our lives. And we can't complain because there's no small print. It's not like those insurance policies, which in the small print uh, mean that you can't use them when you really need them. There is a cost that our two finders were happy to pay. And in one case, as I've said, they did so with joy. But these two little stories, nice little stories, are stories with a punch, a point. They are not comforting bedtime stories that we read to children. They make us consider their application to our lives today, and in particular two things I want to bring out. Here's the first one. Do we value the gospel highly in the same way? Do we value the gospel highly in the same way? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, that was our first reading, frankly admits that he at first got the calculation completely wrong. For him, it came as a moment of sudden understanding on the road to Damascus. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish. Now the shock for us reading this is that the rubbish he lists a little earlier are the things that perhaps we might highly prize, education, family background, status in his career. They were only in the loss column when compared with the pearl of great value, knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. Now, we live in a country and a culture which puts the Christian faith in the loss account, and for some even on the rubbish list. A man recently told me who had come to a new Christian faith that when he told his friends, they thought he'd gone mad. The Apostle Paul will have none of it. Don't you hear an echo of the parables? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul paid a price. Just read the account in his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 11 to see his list of what he paid personally. But his testimony to us is that it was worth it. And we know what a difference it made to his life, putting Jesus Christ and his will first. And it still makes a real difference today. I heard just last week from a man who had recently found God, as he put it, what a difference it made to him. He had a new sense of peace and forgiveness. He was full of amazement and joy. And he'd received a new insight into his past behavior. He sought other people's forgiveness. At an earlier meeting, when he described his comfortable lifestyle and achievements, I had said in reply, so what does that amount to? His reply now was in comparison with knowing God personally, not a lot. 
It's easy for those of us who have had a personal Christian faith for many years to forget what a huge benefit and blessing it is. And to say to anybody who has not yet personally put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, go on a journey and find out about him so that you may take that step for yourself. Do we understand or remember what it's like to live in Paul's haunting phrase in his letter to the Ephesians, without hope and without God in the world? To live without hope and without God in the world. So the first question, I think, from these parables that puts us on the spot is our takeaway, is whether we truly value the gospel of Jesus Christ, the call to live seeking to do his will, not just as our own. Or is it just there, like the Chinese umbrella stand, taken for granted, but in fact priceless? The words treasure and pearl of great value should challenge any creeping complacency. And the second takeaway, I think, is this. If we do value the good news about Jesus, do we pass it on? Because you share something that's good news that's special to you, don't you? Some of us may be given opportunities to be very direct, as when Peter was speaking to the crowds at Pentecost. And interestingly, note he speaks about Jesus. If you find yourself in a discussion about spiritual things, always talk about Jesus. Jesus and his true identity. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And God clearly spoke to the listeners, for they were cut to the heart and said, What shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he was not only direct, he was urgent, urgent in his appeal. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Others also identified with Jesus. For Zacchaeus, the dishonest tax collector, having Jesus in his life meant he knew he had to live in a completely different way. He decided to give half his money to the poor, four times the amount he cheated from anyone. And his life and his change will have spoken of the new loyalty, the new priority to do God's will. Andrew, Peter's brother, met Jesus. The first thing he did was to find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Maybe a simple invitation to an event here at St. Michael's, which enables someone to discover for themselves the priceless treasure that God offers. In my case, I simply invited my older brother to join me at a Bible-teaching church soon after I became a follower of Jesus, and I left him there so that he too in time discovered the pearl of great price. You don't argue with your older brother. And sometimes... An invitation to one member of a family brings a number from the same family to acknowledge God. So Paul and Silas were in prison, but released by an earthquake, you remember. The jailer sealing the prison doors open was about to kill himself as he thought the prisoners had escaped. And we are told that Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to them and all the others in his house, and they were all 
as a result, baptized. And the jailer, notice this again, was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. I once saw standing on a pavement in London three generations of one family, and the local vicar told me that the youngest, a granddaughter, came to faith through attending an Alpha course. So she invited her grandmother to attend the Alpha course, who also came to faith, and the grandmother invited her daughter, (laughs) you're with me, to attend the Alpha course, and she came to faith as well. Three generations. I just saw with my eyes standing on the pavement a whole family transformed by an invitation. The fact is that the disciples understood the huge value of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they passed it on. They passed it on at whatever cost to themselves. And we are here this morning because they did. For they were convinced of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Are we? Will we pass it on in our time to our generations? I think the jury is out. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, just two very brief little stories, but powerful stories for us to reflect on in our day, in our time. The priceless value of the gospel. The privilege of the gospel of knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. As we take the bread and the wine this morning, may we be humbled afresh reminded of the greatness of your love for us. And in a world where there isn't much despair and sadness, may we pass on the good news of Jesus in whatever way we can, through word, through deed, through invitation, because the gospel is priceless. Amen.